You're welcome to the Sales for the Nigerian Wedding Industry podcast, and I'm your host, Abuja-based photographer, Taveshima Ayede. In the last episode, we took a detour to look into the ethical issues involved in sales, and the case study that we used was the case of selling iced Eskimos or fridges to um, Eskimos. And uh, if you want to hear on which end we came down on in the discussion on what the ethical issues involved were, just have a look at the previous episode. So now today we're going to go back to our regular course of programming, if I can put it that way, and we're going to continue the the uh, discussions that we've been having on the Introduction to Personal Selling course for Wedding Planners, which is something that we launched on the 26th of June 2020 with these um, events. There's some material that I've done prior to that, that is uh, prior to 2020, uh, something in 2000, in 2019, and that was with my friend Laura Michael Phillips of Posh and Pristine Events, and we will examine some of, uh, some of those materials um, in the future. So now, the primary purpose of the course that I had with them was to expose them to this idea that the primary purpose of the wedding planner isn't necessarily wedding planning per se, but your primary purpose is to create a customer. So your primary function is marketing. So that's my central premise. That's my central um, uh, argument in the course material. That as a wedding planner, your number one job isn't necessarily to plan weddings. That is ancillary. Your main purpose actually is marketing because if you're not if your marketing game isn't on point if you don't find any customers then you have no weddings to plan okay so that's a recap that's going to be the central premise that runs through everything now today i want us to look at what personal sales is for those of you who've been following from day one you already have the basic um, idea that it involves a couple of elements one of which is meeting potential customers face-to-face in order to gain a commitment or to you know secure their business um, as it relates to wedding planners it's the idea that you have to meet um, potential customers you know potential brides and grooms or their parents and you have to have a sit down a one one-on-one face-to-face with them in order to get them to sign the check and have you as their wedding planner now it's not necessarily a face-to-face thing per se as more of a one-to-one persuasive uh, context. So you don't necessarily have to be looking at the person eyeball to eyeball. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because at the time of this recording, we're still in the um, thick of the corona situation. And so that might not uh, necessarily, not all clients might find that desirable to want to sit down with you at your office or in their home. The emphasis here is not necessarily the uh, face-to-face nature of the communication, but rather the one-to-one intimate nature of the contact the whole time. So even if you're going to, so if you're in person, obviously that's pretty intimate and one-to-one. If it's an email, the context of the email has to be that, intimate and one-on-one. I'm sending this email to you. It's not a broadcast. The same with SMS uh exchanges that you're going to have with your prospective bride, brides and grooms and their parents, 
and uh, the philosophy is the same whether it's whatsapp or whether it is zoom so what makes it personal sales is not necessarily whether it's face-to-face -face per se but that you intend to have one-on-one -on -one intimate communications with the person that you're talking to basically no matter what the medium is whether it is zoom or sms or over the phone the customer the person that you want to be the customer the bride or the groom or their parents they have the idea that you have uh that they have your soul and undivided attention so bearing now that we've um, put that out of the way I hope that in future, when virtual reality come, becomes a thing, that if it happens to become a thing before uh, we get called to go back to heaven to be with uh, the Lord. So assuming that it becomes a thing, let's say virtual reality becomes a thing in the next 10 years, that would still be considered personal selling if when we hop on the virtual reality pod or if we wear the virtual reality goggles or whatever the technology might be, we intend to have a one-on-one -on -one interaction with the uh, client. Okay, now, why is personal selling important for wedding planners? That's also another question that we looked into. In my own opinion, wedding selling, sorry, <clears throat> personal selling is important for wedding planners because in the early days, for those of you who are starting out, your initial interactions with your customers are all going to be face-to-face, -face, mostly face-to-face -face anyway, because... When it comes to the wedding space, typically we start off with family and friends and other people who are within our personal network or our, um, our personal circle. So you're going to start off planning the wedding for your sister, your cousin, um, your friends uh, or your friend's sister or, you know, let's say your GM at the office. Let's assume that you still work with, you're still gainfully employed. So let's say... You're still at Zenith Bank and your GM's daughter is um, is getting married and, you know, you can offer to plan the wedding. But bottom line is those are going to be the initial, um, the first um, tranche of customers that you're going to have will come through face-to-face -face and one-on-one -on -one interactions. So you need to know um, personal selling and you need to up your personal selling techniques because that is that's going that's how you're going to get started in the game basically then your second order clients <clears throat> will want to meet you in person at some point because when it comes to weddings especially for those of you who are wedding planners big sums of money are involved since you're the wedding planner you're probably going to be going over the um, total overall budget uh, with them so it's not going to be as simple as um, dealing with the wedding photographer only, where you're uh, just talking about sums that could be anything between 250,000 Naira to maybe 500,000 Naira or a million or whatever. But the bottom line is you'll be discussing the overall budget for the whole wedding. Since I'm not a wedding planner, I have no idea how much it costs to throw a wedding these days. But I won't be surprised if you are with your clients looking at overall sums that could be anything between five and maybe 10 million and uh, usually people are not going to want to uh, have these conversations um, over the phone you probably want to um, sit down um, you know come over to your office if you do have an office as a wedding planner so that you can call 
several other sub meetings so that they can get to look at samples not just from the um, photographer or the caterer but um, other people but bottom line is your first order clients are going to be people in your immediate personal circle so you need to learn personal selling skills your second order of clients will most likely want to meet you face to face at some point before they start discussing budgets that run into millions of naira and start discussing your own um, fee then um well basically your interactions are going to be uh going to be more and more of a personal nature as you start in the business and as you continue to grow uh, in the business now the key reason why personal selling is something that we should all mat, uh, master in my own opinion is because it is the best way to extract customer lifetime value customer lifetime value basically is repeat business and referrals so that's the idea that you get to do business with mr a and mr a keeps coming back again and again and again until priorities change or he moves from your neighborhood or whatever and also the people that mr a talks to so that um they also get to do business with you as well so that's the idea behind customer lifetime value repeat business and referrals now that is what some people today call as relationship marketing in my opinion that's just bunk because um not that relationship marketing is a bad idea what i'm trying to say is that the substance of this of what people are calling relationship marketing is already something that has existed for a very long time which used to be called personal selling or personal sales so in my own opinion i think instead of looking at what people are calling relationship marketing online today you're probably better off just going back to your uni assuming that you live close you know to your uni or you happen to know someone who's still in uni and they can check out um one of the business books um from the library and you can just read through the whole section on uh on sales especially the subsections on um personal selling and you get a lot out of it rather than what a lot of people are calling relationship marketing in quotes today online so i've already said that uh, customer lifetime value is the um, how do i put it the financial value that comes after that initial transaction so you plan mr a's daughter's wedding Mr. and Mrs. A are really happy with how you performed. And so because of that, they have four other daughters and you get to plan the other four. Not only that, Mr. and Mrs. A get to talk to Mr. and Mrs. B, C and D. And hopefully you can get a slice of that action as well. In the class that I had um, this year in June, I explained it to them using my experience during my uh, when I was having my um, uh, National Youth Service Corps when I was in Kano and I lived off Hadeja Road there was this guy who used to sell uh, Meshai and the my host in Kano was a bread and tea kind of guy so I used to buy uh, sometimes two loaves sometimes more loaves of bread so that we just at the time he wasn't married so I'd come back from my um, primary service and my PP I used to go to PP's private practice <clears throat> in legal circles so I'd be done with my primary assignment, I'd be done with my PP. So I'd just buy a loaf of bread and we'd sit down there in front of the TV. And uh, I can't remember who was the president at, at the time, but basically we'd just eat bread, 
sip on tea and abuse the president while watching network news if they happen to be light. So I would buy a loaf of bread at about 120 naira per loaf. And like I told the class, I used to buy at least two loaves a week. And we did the math, multiplied by 52 weeks in a year, even though I was in Kano for a year and a half. But we just stuck with 52 weeks, which is one year. And the amount came up to 12,480 naira. I didn't verify that amount. I didn't bother to because I'm not good in math. So if you happen to be listening to this podcast now and you say the math is off, you know, pardon me, I didn't verify the figure. I just took it on uh, on face value that they are better at math than I am. So anyway, so they were surprised. Some of them in the class were surprised to see that a simple thing as a 120-hour loaf of bread can add up to that much at the end of the day. So what I was worth to that bread seller was not 120 naira. I actually was worth 12,480 naira to him. So that was worth, that is what that was, sorry, in the past. That was what each person who came through his joint was worth. The funny thing is, people who didn't make as much money as I did um, back then, remember I was a copper and also doing some legal stuff on the side so i wasn't making a ton of money but i suspect that i was better off uh than the laborers who used to come there but the thing is picture this i was doing a loaf 120 naira per loaf and some of those people would come and just have um i'm not sure what is what was called in kano but back when i was in lagos uh there was this thing agege bread and agege bread would typically be half the price now the thing is those fellows who show up and do the agege bread at half the price, you know, 60 naira or 50 naira, typically come there every day. And so they end up spending more than that 120,000 naira per loaf than uh, that I did. So, you know, funny thing is, I seem to have a better quality of life, but even they, the laborers, were worth more to the bread seller than I was. Well, anyway, all this is behind, uh, besides the point. The main thing is there's an initial transaction, which is 120 naira, or in your own case, if you're a wedding planner and they're paying you, let's say, 100,000. But then we have to find ways of capturing the value that comes beyond that. So it's not just about the the 100,000 naira that they're going to pay you now, but to see what future value can be derived down the line. Now, that brings us back to a central question that I addressed in an earlier podcast. Are weddings a one-off transaction for wedding planners? It's something I would want you guys to seriously consider because in Abuja, I run into a lot of people who assume that there is no um, continuity, that there's no extra um, there's no extra value to what it is that we do. The assumption is that you plan one wedding and then that's the end. But I want us to seriously consider if there is future value that can be mined from the relationship. I think there is, and not always necessarily tied to weddings, but we need to stop this idea that weddings are a one uh, and done opportunity, that all we get is the money that we happen to get from this present transaction. So for those of you who are interested in um, finding, interested in what my views are on the topic you can go to the previous episode that i had and i think it was titled are weddings a one and done business opportunity so in whatever podcast um, catcher you're listening to itunes or stitcher or google 
all you have to do is um, go back to the topic list view, scroll down in the feed, and you will find it. Okay, but the main point that I'm making here today is that personal selling techniques are the best way to cultivate the customer lifetime value. And I think that is the number one reason why as wedding industry professionals, we ought to consider personal selling techniques. This episode just happens to be focused on wedding planners only. Okay, so uh, that's all I wanted to talk about for today. Um, I'll just throw in a little extra. The Twitter highlight of the day is a new segment I want to try out. So while I was scrolling through my Twitter feed, I found something really interesting. It's about the billionaire investor Paul Tudor Jones. It's a statement accredited to him which says, I always think about losing money as opposed to making money. Interesting, isn't it? I'll repeat. I always think about losing money as opposed to making money. The idea behind it is something similar to what Warren Buffett has also spoken about when he talks about um, his investing approach is not necessarily focused on what the upside is per se but they're focusing on minimizing the downside trying to make sure that you don't lose too much money in the process i'm not saying that this has any relation to wedding planning but i just thought it's an interesting bit of information i came across on twitter and that i would like to share with you guys today especially since those of us who are involved in wedding planning typically don't just remain exclusively in wedding planning. We also find other ways to reinvest our money. So thank you very much, guys, for listening. For those of you who have any questions, comments, or queries, you can hit me up on email. Again, it's ayede.tave at gmail.com. That is A-Y-E-D-E dot T-A-V-E-R at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. I'll catch you guys on the next episode.